Welcome to the Career Cast podcast, a show about professional journeys and the wealth of career options the 21st century has to offer. In each episode, we explore one new aspect of the modern world of work with insights from a diverse range of voices. The Career Cast is designed to help reframe our conversations around work, passion, and careers. No matter what your interest, we are sure you'll find a valuable lesson from a diverse group of guests. Whether you're in finance, marketing, engineering, or sport, there's one common role everyone's expected to grow into, a leader. For decades, a path there was through an MBA or similar educational qualification for white-collar workers. But that's no longer the case. In today's world, being a leader isn't much about what you studied, but about who you are. After all, some of the most popular leaders today, from India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi to some of Silicon Valley's founders, didn't really study for the role. They simply adapted and grew into it. That's very well, well said, Shivats. And that's a very interesting topic to explore further. Hello and welcome back to The Career Cast the podcast designed to help you navigate the modern world of work. My name is Afnan Ahmed, and I'm joined by my co-host, Shivats Laksman, once again. As you might have guessed from that intro, today's topic is about leadership. In particular, we look at leadership for Gen Z. It's the fifth and final part in our mini-series dubbed The Career Cast for Gen Z. Leadership is a vital trait, and not just for employees, but also for employers. It plays a key role in hiring and retaining the right talent. With the great resignation currently underway, managers need to adapt themselves to the requirements of Gen Z and other generations, whether they like it or not. We had a very similar conversation on our previous episodes with Nashra Siddiqui, a HR manager here in Dubai, where she talked about the future of work and employee benefits. Just to refresh your memories, here's a clip of Nashra making this exact point. The economic turmoil has taken over uh, all these situations where I am looking into more mental peace. First priority still is being how to pay my bills. Am mm-hmm. I able to pay my bills? First priority in any country right now is a good salary package, be it from any other country. Uh, then comes the employee. Once you are settled, one or two year, uh, it takes around one, two years of struggle to get settled, to get your network built uh, in the particular uh, environment or your uh, community, I would say. Once you're settled, then you're good to go. Then you switch, then you look for your benefits, then you look for other benefits like annual leaves or whatever, other employee benefits. What Nashra said makes a lot of sense and actually leads very well into this discussion. Employers today need to be more welcoming and open, offering more than a good pay to catch the eye of job seekers, especially Gen Z. In preparation for this episode, Shrivats, I did some digging and came across an interesting article by the Harvard Business Review. It said, to build trust and a stronger connection with this generation, you must prioritize transparency and shift your managing and communication style from a need-to-know policy to an open access one. Access to information will alleviate Gen Z's anxieties and allow them to process and feel in control. What are your thoughts on that statement, Shivats? Well, to be honest, I think it makes sense to a certain aspect because obviously we are in a generation, we're in a time now where being authentic, being your true self really, really matters. 
And when you're in that kind of situation where that's the expectation of the people coming into the workforce, I think, yes, it's important to be transparent. But also, I believe in the old school of thought that not everything needs to be transparent. Uh, there are reasons uh, that everyone is not told everything. Uh, you know, the idea of plausible deniability, it's a big part of politics. And, you know, uh, when you work in secret service, when you work in, you know, a diplomacy, there's a reason you don't tell everyone everything because that just puts them at risk later on. So I feel like there are situations where it's okay not to tell the truth or not to reveal the extent of what's happening. Uh, as an employee, what you need to know really just depends on your position in the company. So if you're a C-level manager, yes, there are definitely things you need to know because the decisions you take, the kind of role you play is dependent on the information. But that is not the case of some uh, one lower down the rung, right? Where they don't have to make a decision based on that much of information, that much situation. So why would you want to then tell them that information? Um, so, you know, I think it, it just depends on the individual and the position they're at. What about you, Afna? Uh, do you agree that transparency should be a very big priority? My answer is sort of catered in a way that different demographics have different levels of transparency. For example, in India, there are things that are more tightly controlled in an Indian uh, form of management. You know, uh, the hierarchy is different. And in a Western form, like say the US or Canada, the transparency levels are different and the hierarchy is different. So what the Gen Z of that demographic what they want by transparency could be different from what another demographic wants. Mm -hmm. But uh, to an extent, I do agree with you that uh, certain information should be kept to a certain level of hierarchy and not always trickle down to the lower levels uh, because the, the reason those that information is to be with the top management, there are different reasons and it should stay there. Although I do feel that, uh, at least in my experience here in UAE, there's a lot more information that could be shared uh, to the employees. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, of course, that's that's well said. And I think transparency really matters in those kind of situations, right? Uh, because when you're talking about a HR policy, when you're talking about a system that the company uses to run itself, then yes, you need to be transparent, you need to be very open. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it, it depends from country to country, region to region. There's, there's a lot of nuance and variety here that... Uh, we just can't really cover. We're not experienced enough to get into that. But I think it's a great place to start uh, this conversation. And this kind of leads very well into another fundamental key trait of leadership today. And that's the idea of democracy. Uh, so just going off track for a second, I'd like to compare the workplace to politics to kind of reinforce this point. Uh, you know, so I was reading a few articles around the 2020 uh, US midterm elections. And I came across an interesting fact. Younger voters tend to vote more liberal but over time, they slowly changed their politics to vote more conservative. I think the underlying point that was trying to be made was basically that when you're younger, uh, people tend to have this idealized version of democracy. Uh, you know, they, they have this belief that democracy does work, does function, and we need to have a say in how things are run. But over time, I think they just, once they get experienced and exposed to life, they realize that, okay, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's best not to have a say in everything. Um, and I feel like that lesson can very much be applied to the workplace. So I also did some digging and I was coming, I came across this research article by some students at a university and the faculty of humanities. And the research results showed that most of generation Z prefer leaders who listen to every option of their members in order to reach a common decision called a democratic style. 
So now that's very rarely the way large corporations function. If you think about like an Apple or a Google or a Facebook, right? It's not always that what the all the employees want really happens. But uh, clearly that change is slowly coming in. You are seeing now, uh, you know, people make a shift in the way they make decisions. The fact that they do tend to consult their employees, even in these larger organizations. I'd like to say something about this. Um the survey that you mentioned that a large number of gen z uh, voters they would like to have a democratic style of leadership <clears throat> what i feel by that is um, uh, you can't solely have one style of leadership for the remainder of you know your organization uh, life you know you can't you can't you have to adapt to certain situations with a different leadership style uh, and also in a democratic style of leadership, if you are to listen to, you know, what the majority of your employees are going to say, how does that change the vision of the company? How does that mm. align with the mission of the company? You have started uh, an organization, your founders have started an organization, a company with a certain vision in mind, with a certain mission, you know, some, some key objectives. So um, <clears throat> it's obvious that if you're going to have a democratic style of leadership and listen uh, to the majority of what your employees want, rather than stick to the mission or vision of the company, there's going to be some changes, something, uh, you know, you're going to go off track somewhere in trying to please the majority. Mm-hmm. And which is why, uh, like you mentioned, Google or Facebook, uh, these organizations, they have kept it simple. You know, they, they want something and they're going to work towards it and they're going to make sure that everyone is on the same page about it. And um, leadership structures aren't the only thing that's changing. Another key factor for Gen Z is values. Uh, We have a small audio clip uh, from the professor of management at Miami University, Ms. Megan Jahat, who makes that exact point. We are seeing some trends in things like uh, being very passionate and outspoken about things like uh, social justice, choosing organizations to work for that have a very strong value alignment. Megan isn't the only one to point that out. A quick Google search brings up numerous articles, research papers, studies, and polls, all indicating the same thing. Funnily enough, I came across a lot of articles, especially by PR firms, asking businesses to focus on Gen Z values. At this point, it's probably the good question to ask, what are those values? While it depends from country to country, broadly speaking, there are two common values, equality for all and environmental action. While this is broadly the case for consumers, it's also an equally important sticking point for employees. What are your thoughts on this? And what are the thoughts on the two values that Gen Z wants? Right. Um, Yeah, I mean, see, obviously, first of all, these aren't the only two values, but I think these are two values that kind of sum up Gen Z very well. Uh, equality for all is is a very broad spectrum that we are seeing play out right now in a lot of different avenues. Uh, whether you talk about the LGBTQI community, whether you talk about racism, uh, you know, all of these things. There has been a movement for, for centuries, right? With, first, it was a woman's right to vote. Uh, then it was, you know, Martin Luther King and, and the whole, the fact that Black African Americans had to be treated with on equal par with the whites. So for centuries, humanity has been striving to create an equal world. But I think today we've reached an inflection point where uh, that equality is, is, it permeates every section, no matter what kind of person you are, right? You could be a refugee from a war-torn country, but you people still expect you to have the same kind of rights and have same kind of dignity and support for life that uh, you would have if you were from the United States, right? 
um, and this is very fascinating to really dive deep into. Unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time, but what I would love to do is just quickly reiterate two case studies that kind of reinforce this point that I'm trying to make. Um, so the first one is obviously around this equality idea, right? Uh, where we see Gen Z and millennials also now actively engaged in forcing companies to change. Uh, so the first one I want to bring about is the case of Disney versus Ron DeSantis. Uh, for those of you unaware, the Florida governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, he passed a bill in 2022 that banned curriculum that mentioned sexual orientation and gender identity through kindergarten and third grade and also extending it beyond third grade if he felt it wasn't age appropriate. Now, this was something that a lot of people thought was really, really bad. Uh, and there was a lot of protests. But one of the most surprising acts of protest came from Disney itself. You know, Disney's employees started staging walkouts and protests, and they forced the leadership to take note of this and say something against uh, the bill, because Disney is Florida's largest employer. Um, I'm sure a lot of you are aware that Disney World exists in Florida. So uh, Disney has a huge stake in the state. And therefore, the then CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek, after weeks of silence, was forced to make a statement. And uh, during a shareholders meeting, this is what he had to say. I called Governor DeSantis this morning to express our disappointment and concern that if legislation becomes law, it could be used to unfairly target gay, lesbian, non-binary, and transgender kids and families. The governor heard our concerns and agreed to meet with me and LGBTQ plus members of our senior team in Florida to discuss ways to address them. Uh, the battle is now ongoing and it's quite a complex issue to get into. If any of you are interested in understanding more about this, there's a brilliant episode of a podcast called Today Explained by Vox that goes into great detail. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes below. So if you do really, really want to catch up with that, I recommend you listen to that show. Uh, but, you know, the point here is that employees want equality and they're willing to stand up against their uh, employers, against their own companies to make sure that equality is achieved. That's a great point, Shivats. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an old cartoon that comes to my mind, which I saw in a newspaper, wherein there's a wall uh, and there are five people standing behind the wall and they want to see what's on the other side. And the five people are of different heights. Mm-hmm. And they're all given an equal uh, height of stool to stand on. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's given the same stool. So the taller people are able to see over the wall, while the shorter people, they're not able to still see over the wall. So at that point, it really begs the question, like, is equality really for all or are there only some cases where it applies? Anyway, that's a different topic. Just uh, had to bring that up. I think it's very relevant, Afnan. And it's a great point you made because, uh, you know, it, it tells a very good story, right? We assume equality for all is this thing where, okay, everyone's got the right to live without being harassed, without being, uh, you know, jailed or persecuted or whatever. But again, it it depends on where you're from, what kind of country you're from, what the values of those countries are. Uh, Because obviously you can't have those same kind of values that you have in America, have in a place like the Middle East or even in India. And I think there's a sense of nuance that's lost in this debate. Everyone assumes that it's just easy to have a blanket, uh, you know, set of regulations, like give everyone an equal level stool. But there's still going to be differences. There's still going to be some people who won't be able to see over that wall. So it's a very great point you made. Very similar stories playing out when it comes to environmental concerns. Not only are the younger employees looking at climate-focused roles, but also employers that step up to make meaningful commitments like CSR and action to avert the climate crisis. According to a 2023 KPMG survey in the UK, 
a third of the Gen Zers said they'd rejected a job offer because they didn't like a company's green credentials. In fact, the survey even highlighted a new term for the action, climate quitting. I really love how we come up with terms for every single thing today. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> we've linked the survey in the show notes if you are interested in it. And it's far from the only one. Climate quitting is now a growing trend in the West, so much so that several HR blogs have even written about how employers should address it. And yeah, I think to this point, Afnan, again, I just like to, another case study that comes to mind is, is the Volkswagen situation, right? A couple of years ago, Volkswagen was caught cheating on emission tests. And it had this huge uh, pushback for the company, not just from a legal perspective, but also uh, they saw a sudden drop off in sales. And there were people who were, you know, out there in the street protesting for the leadership to be jailed. And that kind of situation is playing out in a lot of different ways around the world. Uh, a lot of companies now are pulling up on, on you know, how are you not being green? Uh, there's just stop oil. There are all these very extremist movements at one end. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have more moderate movements, which are focused on actually finding solutions. And the fact that there's now this incentive to find solutions is, is I think, quite exciting. Uh, but obviously, climate quitting, Afnan, I feel like it's still a very niche thing. I feel like it's only something that will... Uh, be in the West for at least a while more. Um, so I feel like, yeah, climate change and inaction is going to be a problem. Uh, and until this becomes a globalized response, when we say climate quitting, I don't feel like it's going to really make that much of a dent. But having said that, I feel like, yes, leaders are now being forced to step up and address this, this issue or they're going to risk losing out on top-notch talent. Uh, so, you know, we've indirectly spoken about the four traits of leadership in this uh, episode of the show and I just want to quickly reiterate that to kind of wrap up things. Uh, transparency, authenticity, democratic and socially conscious. So these are kind of the four major traits that Gen Z lead wants from their leaders. Uh, but apart from that, Afnan, do you think there's any other trait you would like to see with, with, with someone you work with? That's a good question, Shrivats. Um I do feel that almost every leader or rather every leader should be empathetic. Because mm -hmm. empathy is something which uh, leaders just gloss over. They feel like they need to have the right uh, company vision. That's 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 definitely true. They need to lead by example. That's, again, true. And uh, they need to be strong, strong-minded. And uh, they should also be strong in standing by their decisions. But also, I feel like empathy plays a really, really big role in how they connect with their employees and how the employees connect with them. And mm -hmm. having that open discussion or... Uh, having the basis of empathy as a conversation uh, it makes it all the more easier you know um, there are like I mentioned before different styles of leadership but mm -hmm. a good leader knows when to blend the different styles and when to use which style for what situation if it's an emergency situation if it's a situation where the company's in crisis definitely you would expect the leader to make uh, quick decisions and strong decisions where he gets or she gets everyone to listen to and uh, to be on board but if you're uh, coming after a transition like the company is going through a transition phase you'd want to have everyone together and unite them and uh, there's a different style of leadership for that if you're um, having a new employee on board you can't just tell the employee you know these are your tasks and these are things you have to do these are your targets you have to coach that employee into the organization you have to bring them the sense of culture that the organization provides as a different style of leadership it's called coaching style of leadership so these are different styles of leadership and for the gen z it's always best to connect with them to on a personal level because 
we as Gen Z love that, don't we? <laughs> when we have a good relationship going uh, with the manager or with someone who is above us, so that we can perform uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, and I feel like this generational uh, shift in thinking, like uh, uh, a generation before us or two generations before us, they would love uh, the autocratic style of leadership where they're told what to do and they would do it. But now mm-hmm. it has changed and it has changed quite a lot. Um, so there's no diff- one style or there's no one trait that we can point out that um, has to has to be there in leader. But uh, if they, if we really had to put a decision down, then I would say like empathy has to be in the top top values that uh, a leader should possess. Um, I, I'm sure you have a different point of view, Shivats. You always do, and I love that. So I'd like to know. I'd like to know from your end what it is. Yeah, um, I I agree with you on empathy. I think that's extremely important. But from my own personal experience, uh, the one thing I've realized is someone who knows when to ask for help. And I find this very, very uh, evident with a lot of leaders today from the older generations, right? Um, Especially when it comes to technology. Uh, Now, I have met a lot of people who are in senior leadership roles, who are in, uh, you know, very very established positions, who don't understand technology, who don't understand how things work, but somehow expect the younger people to know that and expect them to apply it across the board without understanding the nuances of this technology. And to me, that's extremely problematic because uh, on a larger scale, we're seeing it play out in the US Congress, right? Where the fact that Americans couldn't, for the longest time, restrict the way Facebook or Twitter worked. And today, it's turned into a hellscape that has literally influenced who became the president. We're seeing that now play out with AI tools, right? There's there's no understanding of what AI is. There's no understanding of how to regulate AI. But on one end, you've got businesses who are just quickly jumping on board to onboard all these AI tools and get AI engineers and, you know, apply AI. Uh, but without understanding fully what the consequences of that kind of tools and those kind of resources are. So for me, I think that's the most important kind of thing I would like to see in a leader today. Someone who understands the implications of the technology. And if he doesn't understand, then put his hand up and admit, I don't understand. I'm going to find someone who does. Uh, because what you're seeing right now is people don't understand, they don't even want to admit it, right? And I'm finding this very scary, especially with AI. Uh, you know, Google, a couple of weeks back, they had a, a keynote event where they launched all their new software, uh, hardware, and everything was AI-based, from Google search to, you know, all of these tools now. Google said, yeah, we're going AI first. And a part of me was like, oh, this is cool. This is really, really nice. But another part of me was scared. Because Google thinks that AI is going to solve all our problems miraculously from fixing photographs, right? I think the greatest example they did was this photograph they had uh, where a child was sitting on one corner and the child was holding a bunch of balloons. The balloons were cut out because it was the corner of the image. So Google's AI, you can now just pick up the child, position it in the center of the frame, and the balloons will automatically get generated, right? And at this point, you have to ask yourself, what is a real photo anymore? And as a journalist, that is something that's very concerning because tomorrow you could quickly Photoshop some protester into, you know, a protest who was not even there, right? And that could lead to his arrest. That could lead to him being jailed. And he was not just there, right? Uh, There are these things. Did Google even consider that? The fact that you can manipulate photos to show people who are not there, but they were right there, right? Or vice versa. Somebody was there and you erased them from the photograph for convenience, right? How is that going to impact our, in fact, how is it going to impact the law? Well, that was not taken into consideration very evidently. Google just saw this opportunity. Oh, we have AI. We can just create a photo out of thin air now. And they launched this tool. 
and i think that is to me is is so scary and the future is really really dark if if we don't act now so it's just one example you know of, of leaders not understanding the impact of technology and it's true for it it's true for software services but it kind of extends to everything because legal another fun example a lawyer was pulled up the other day uh, in the us because he wrote a brief where uh, the case didn't even exist and he said i use chat gpt and that's the kind of future we're walking into now and these people don't even recognize that so i feel like that is right now the most urgent trait we need in a leader someone who recognizes the impact of the technology and knows when to say no we're not using this not until we've worked out all the bugs and the issues but yeah that, that was a lot sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's okay bye that's all right continue no i think um it's it's a good place to end this discussion uh, i know it sounds like a warning from from my end but it's just a food for thought for our listeners and we'd obviously love to hear what you think uh, you know what kind of traits are you looking for in a leader a mentor or a manager uh, please do get in touch with us on social media drop comments on on our posts or you know email us however you'd like we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear your feedback especially around what you'd consider non negotiable and what you would consider negotiable if the situation was right uh, so you, you can get in touch with the career cast on facebook linkedin instagram or even twitter With that said, uh, this concludes our five-part mini series. Um, we will be back with more episodes on different topics, uh, especially AI. That's a big area we do want to focus on. So we're working on bringing you a series of episodes on AI. Uh, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Career Cast. If you liked what you heard, please do share it with your friends and family. Thank you, and have a good day. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Career Cast. If you loved what you heard, please don't forget to share it with your friends, family. colleagues or anyone else you know you never know who might need the dose of inspiration please also remember to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram to stay up to date with all of our latest episodes and previews of the shows to come thank you for tuning in once again